Hi there, and welcome to this episode of A Couple Takes on MS. Hi, I'm Dan Digman. And hi, it's me, Jennifer Digman. And we're A Couple Takes on MS. I'm walking. I'm rolling. But together, we're moving forward. And what we're looking to do this time in terms of moving forward, you know, right now we're coming up on the holiday season. Um, wow, happy, happy holiday season almost coming, Jennifer. <laughs> Thank you, Dan. Happy holidays to you. Thank you. And what, what we wanted to do right now, I mean, because when we're talking the holidays, there's always the holiday stories and looking back at holidays past and um, and just other stories you tell at the holidays. And we thought, what a great opportunity to take a look back at one of the features we have on our podcast is MS and Their Voices, where we feature authors with MS reading excerpts from some of their writing and sounded like this would be a, an appropriate time. Would you not agree, Jennifer? I would agree. I think you should sit back and grab a warm cup of cocoa or any sort of hot toddy of your choice. <laughs> sit back and listen to some good stories from some great authors. And we, uh, looking back in the authors that we have featured, and there will be, um, ex- there will be links to the episodes with the authors that we feature, as well as links to the books of which they speak. And we will lead it off uh, with um, featuring Tamara Salmon. And then we will go to Tyler Campbell. And then we will go to Julie Stam. And finish strong with none other than my dear sweet husband, Dan Digman. You are far too kind. But seriously, just sit back, enjoy, and listen to the words of other authors living with MS was we highlight excerpts from our podcast of MS in their voices. Enjoy. Dan and I are excited to introduce you to Tamara Salmon. Tamara is the author of Intention Tremor, a book published by Moonpath Press in 2021. This hybrid collection of poems and personal essays chronicles her life in the five years following her MS diagnosis in 2013. Tamara lives in the Seattle area and writes regularly on MS topics. Two of her current novel projects also spotlight main characters living with multiple sclerosis. Hi everyone, I'm so glad I'm able to share some of my poetry with you today. I wrote this first poem to capture the tone that my neurologist set for my journey at the moment of diagnosis. She's a fantastic doctor and I know that's a rare find. A doctor who listens, who seems less interested in supporting drug companies or trendy treatments and more interested in ways for her to help me live my best life. Of course, I had to include this moment in my book as a tribute to her, to that point of no return when my old normal was introduced to my new normal. (laughs) I must say that the news that I had MS came as something of a relief because it meant solving a mystery and moving forward. The title of this poem is Diagnosis. Here is the proof, Dr. K said, clicking magnetic scans of my brain the remarkable white holes, the countless grains of salt that could grow larger. 
I have a lesion too, she admitted. Who knows how it got there? I'm a neurologist and I know how it could be anything but. Except in my spinal fluid, cells not normally invited across that porous aquatic barrier have left behind their spore. Over time and space, narratives in the vault of my medical records corroborate symptoms. The tremoring leg, the relentless fatigue, the crawling skin, the crackling sparklers across my scalp, the incessant tinnitus, the times I've left sentences, unfinished, don't even recognize when I have spoken words at all. Impossible elements in a perfect cytokine storm. How to right this ship is still a matter for lab rats, longitudinal volunteerism, and trial and error. Choose a new normal. Choose the life of pill bugs. Or you can choose what's behind door number three. Her expression was plaintive. What will it be? Honesty. She finally smiled, nodded, said, Walk heel to toe for me, pointing. And I did. Now, this prose poem was written in 2017, about four years following my initial diagnosis in 2013. As people with MS understand, the MRI is the ubiquitous test for assessing our disease progression and activity. It's not a great procedure for most people. I don't mind it so much anymore. I guess I'm kind of used to it. And I can even remember times when I've fallen asleep while in the tube, if you can believe that. <laughs> What I remember more, however, are the interactions I've had with the radiology techs who run the MRIs. On the particular day of this poem, I reflected on this aspect of this new normal of mine, those countless MRIs and the fine people who do them. While my title for this work is the nth half yearly MRI, I'm currently in a holding pattern of annual tests now, and I hope that that never changes. Radiology techs wrap my feet in shapeless sheaths with rubber skids, swaddle me neck to toe in thin cotton blankets, a hospital's sarcophagus. Insert an IV for the contrast session. Shroud my eyes with a folded washcloth. Crown me with earphones playing barely perceived music to prevent hearing damage. Please, no more damage. <laughs> The exposed top of my head will be sliced by invisible magnetic forces into pictures. MRI was first used to investigate the brains of people with lesion activity seven years after my first MS hug. Those inaugural scans took five hours. Mine will take 90 minutes. After the techs retreat to a control deck behind heavy glass, I am interred into the narrow tube, asked to lay motionless while drums bang strange patterns that I find oddly rhythmic enough to fall asleep to. Magnetic resonance is now familiar territory, removing my need for a lorazepam refill. This is not death. 45 minutes pass in perfect stillness, superimposed over the spasming kink in my back. After they draw me from my high-tech tomb, unravel one edge of my mummy's wrap near the thigh, prick the IV to start the gad dye drip, send me back for a second harvest. Contrast session, the burn in the veins, 
It is so hot in here. Finally, they extract me from the tube. The ivy pulled out, the wraps lifted. Sitting exposed in the cold, dark room, my senses reassert themselves. Cells expand, breathe, jump, squall like newborn babies clearing their lungs. I can't wait, still can't wait at age 52, to get up and walk away from these compassionate, if anonymous keepers, to leave the hospital's familiar maze, hike the dirty city streets downhill to my ferry ride home to new normal, because at least on this rainy spring day, I can. Thank you for the opportunity to share my work with your listeners. I hope they will find something familiar, illuminating, or even comforting in my words. Dan and I are excited to feature Tyler Campbell. Tyler is the author of The Ball Came Out, Life from the Other Side of the Field, the Amazon best-selling book published by Books for Athletes in 2022. This heartfelt autobiography follows Tyler on his journey to self-discoveries as he unlocks the power of his voice after a multiple sclerosis diagnosis sidelined his life as a football player. This book is very special for me in general. Um, Just the opportunity to finally uh, get to a place where I was in full control of sharing my life experience, sharing my multiple sclerosis diagnosis and, and what that looked like behind closed doors in, in my perspective, you know, and really giving people a window seat into my heart to hopefully say, oh my gosh, I went through that same thing with my MS. Or if you don't have multiple sclerosis, perhaps you know someone and this maybe gives you a glimpse as to what they have gone through or are going through with their life. And so These pages right here are one of my more proud moments of my book, The Ball Came Out, Life from the Other Side of the Field. A few moments later, I noticed that my roommate, Matt, was getting up. I don't know what time it was, but it was later that morning. I finally was able to muster up enough strength to raise my voice and yell for Matt. I let him know that something was off with my body. It took some time, but I was able to get myself dressed. After that, we got to the training room and I let the trainers know that something was wrong. Obviously, they could see my motor skills and my motor functioning was off. My speech was still slurred and forming sentences was a real chore. The right side of my body still wasn't working. They asked me if I was concussed or not. My answer was obviously no. Up until that point, I had never seen the team doctor in all of my college career, except for coming in that year as a high blood pressure patient. I got put on high blood pressure medication because hypertension is prevalent in my family. It was hereditary. That was my first time failing physically, really. I did not pass the blood pressure check and had been placed on blood pressure medication. The team doctor gave me the motor skills test. Touch your finger to your nose and and follow his hand. The doctor was positioning his hand somewhere and you you touch your nose and then try to touch his hand while doing it in a straight line. Every single time I went to touch it, I saw where his hand was 
but I'm not touching it. I'm telling my right hand where to go, but it wouldn't connect. Next, I was instructed to walk in a straight line. It looked like I was drunk because I couldn't do it. Staggering, I fell over. By this time, I had a little bit more strength. In my head, I see the doctor. I'm walking towards him, but my body is doing something totally different. He said, I'll be right back. He went into his office for some time, and I was sitting outside the office in a chair. Within that time, Matt came in worried. I couldn't answer his questions of what happened to you. I didn't know the answer myself. My head felt dizzy. The doctor came back out and gave me a piece of paper and he said, there is a neurologist that you need to call so you can book an appointment at Scripps La Jolla Memorial Hospital in La Jolla, California. They'll, they'll help you try to figure out what this is. Now I've become more terrified because I got passed off from trainer to team doctor and now neurologist? Normally, the team doctor was the end of the road to getting an answer as an athlete. Instead, I was preparing to head to a hospital in a very prestigious part of California that was away from my normal surroundings. Dan and I are excited to feature Julie Stam. Julie is a widely featured author of essays and articles that she has written for outlets including HealthGrades and the National MS Society Momentum Magazine. Following the birth of her son, Jack, she wrote the book, Someday, A Tale of Love, Ice Cream, and My Mom's Chronic Illness, based on their experiences as a mother and son and overcoming the obstacles MS can impose on everyday life. Okay, well, so I chose a little snippet from one article that I wrote about the uh, it being okay to grieve the loss of the old you, um, because we just recently had the MS walk, and that is my day that I allow myself to feel all of the feelings that can come with this disease. So this is just a short part of that essay. She didn't see it coming. She didn't know it would be her last trip to the office, her last carefree stroll, her last of many laughs. I look back at that girl, the woman I was, and barely recognize her. She cer certainly isn't who I am now. A lot of people say, I have MS, but MS doesn't have me. However, MS has me. MS stripped me of the person I planned to be. While that may sound like a very grim statement, and sometimes I think it is, it is also acknowledging who I am now. I am not writing this to uplift you, but rather to remind you it is okay to feel sorrow sometimes about what, you have, what has been stolen from you. While there isn't currently a cure, I know all of us with MS hope to regain what has been stolen. However, on this day, I allow myself to feel and realize that that re new reality may be permanent. It's a day to give in and let MS win. A day to tap out, knowing full well that tomorrow you will get back up and fight on. You will fight for your family and your friends, but most importantly, you will fight for that girl, the previous version of you. You owe it to her. That, I mean, wow. Wow. Wow, indeed. That's, oh, thank you. <laughs> thank you for sharing that. I mean, that's what we, that's why we wanted to do this segment. It's just like, you know, authors have such powerful written voices, but when it's read out loud, out loud by the person who wrote it, I just think it's so powerful. 
Oh, thanks. I'm so glad you let me read it. I, I, it, it was a hard write, and I like appreciate sharing it because I know that a lot of people feel that way. So I hope that some people find comfort in it. Thank you again to Julie Stamp for joining us for this episode of A Couple Takes on MS. It's been it's been so great to have you here with us, Julie. Oh my goodness, you guys. Thank you so much. And I'm so glad we finally got to get on together. I'm a little pushy as your wife. Anyone out there who knows the two of us or who listens can probably tell that. But Dan recently did um, something for, I don't want to say something. It, 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 was, it was a final paper for my first class. And I mean, a lot of what we're talking about in this class is about um, purpose and vocation. And I think that's where it is. It's like, you know, you can go through life just doing what you do. But then you, when you have to actually stop and think about what it is you're doing, why you're doing it, what you want to accomplish. Um, it really, it really for, focuses you to look inward and figure out what and why am I doing what I'm doing. And so this is, you know, we're talking about, you know, where my class is about leadership or program is about leadership. Um, but it's really getting at the core of who you are as a person. And so that's where the learning is just blow, blowing my mind. And so as part of being a pushy wife, when Dan wrote this assignment for his class, I said, you need to share that. It's brilliant. It's beautiful. And I think that our listeners would benefit from hearing what you have written. And we often focus on writers on this podcast. And today for In Their Voices, which is a feature segment for our podcast that focuses the writing of MS authors who read to you their powerful words and their expert essays or personal essays, poetry, prose. But for this episode, I'm excited that I was able to convince my husband Dan to read his graduate school essay about his vocation and purpose. When I was a 10-year-old boy, and I was supposed to be playing back in my bedroom, my mom, Nancy, didn't freak out when she walked by and couldn't see me. She knew I was under my bed, drafting the latest edition of Snoozy News, a handwritten newspaper published in pencil-lead black and vibrant Crayola colors on two sides of wide rule spiral brown notebook paper. Armed with a fourth-grade vocabulary and an immeasurable imagination, I was creating the next literary masterpiece that would take the world of 338 West 7th Street in Monticello, Iowa, by storm. Dream big, Danny. Dream big. But, but these were my dreams, my visions. And I'm not sure what sparked them, but they were mine. My older brother Mark was an athlete, I was the creator, and my younger sister Dawn was, well, Dawn was a little sister who just wanted to be included. When it came time to deliver the inaugural edition, I remember waiting patiently for my dad, Roger, to come home from work so he and mom could pour through this hot-off-the-presses page flipper. Remember, it was only two sides of wide-ruled spiral-bound notebook paper. Together, 
so they could sit in sheer awe of their son. Yeah, I called that one right. Awe-struck. I'm realizing now, some 41 years later, for as great of a reporter and published publisher as I thought I was, Raj and Nance were equally as talented in their acting skills. They likely saw right through my pint-sized plagiaristic tendencies as I stripped my lead story straight from the Des Moines Register from two days ago. But they saw the amount of work I put into my original article about what we had for supper the night before, a hilarious comic about a little boy, an autobiographical sketch of sorts, and an original jumble puzzle, and they doused me in copious amounts of parental praise and encouragement. And so it began. My need to share stories and create with words. Snoozy News became a regular publication at 338 West 7th Street for the next three months, set to come out once each week on Monday, so I'd beat the Monticello Express, which came out on Wednesdays. I realize three months isn't a long time as grown-ups, but to a 10-year-old, it's an eternity. I grew a lot as a reporter and publisher during that quarter of a year. I started drafting all original copy, duplicated a copy of two editions for my grandma Otten, and then even explored the feasibility of creating a new publication for my West 7th Street neighbors and selling it to them for a dime. Alas, flag football, Atari Pac-Man, and my crush on my classmate Tara distracted my new sense. But my drive to create with words has never waned. Through much reflection, prayer, and contemplation, I've realized that my vocation is to use my written and spoken words to motivate, encourage, and inspire others. I've done this throughout my life, whether it was co-creating the Monticello High School paper, The Paw Print, serving as a sports editor for the Wartburg Trumpet, or excelling as a professional reporter and marketing content creator. This all ties into what I previously had declared in my original Golden Circle assignment for this class, that my why is to make the people and situations I interact with better than when I first encounter them. This is why I'm doing, this is what I'm doing with my vocation, using my written and spoken words to realize my why. I'm convinced none of this would have come to fruition had I not made it through two of the most challenging experiences of my life, going through the devastation of my family dealing with my grandma's onset of and life with Alzheimer's disease beginning in 1991, and my diagnosis with having multiple sclerosis in 2000 and dealing with it each day thereafter. Both experiences were crushing in their own right. Seeing how my grandma slowly disappeared cognitively and emotionally and how my mom was left to cope with the pain of grandma's decline with only her husband and three children. Through this, I turned to my writing to ease my pain. There were plenty of personal essays that nobody saw, but there was one rare poem that I shared with my mom, and she consequently shared it with the Regional Alzheimer's Support Network because, as she said it, people are in pain and they need to read something like this to find comfort. Fair enough, Mom. Fair enough. From out of the blue in the fall of 1999, after inexpressible numbness in my hands, chest, and feet led me to the doctor and a series of tests throughout the final three months of the year, 
The radiology report indicated that the cause of my symptoms most likely is multiple sclerosis. My neurologist confirmed on Valentine's Day 2000 that I indeed had MS, a chronic progressive disease of the central nervous system for which there is no cure. Damn you, MS. What was I going to do, and how was I going to move forward with my life? I mean, I was only 27 years old, so I started writing about MS, what it was doing to me, and what I was doing to keep moving forward and make the most of my life in spite of this disease. Plenty of personal essays that I learned I shouldn't keep to myself. As my mom once told me in relation to the poem about my grandma, people are in pain and they need to read something like this to find comfort. During my undergraduate education at Warburg College, it was noted that authors should take notice and write about what they know. Trust me, I know a lot about MS. This disease has offered me a platform for my writing and it also opened the door to meeting my wife, Jennifer. She also is living with MS, and we truly are the best of friends and total partners in crime in writing and speaking to help others boldly move forward despite MS. You ask what I enjoy doing that brings out the best in me? Without skipping a beat, I can tell you that it's spending time with Jennifer and living our best life together as a couple takes on MS. We often say that MS doesn't define us, Rather, we are redefining what MS can be. With Jennifer, I get a sense of fulfillment writing for our blog and MS-related websites, hosting our podcast, advocating in Lansing, Michigan, or Washington, D.C., serving as keynote speakers at major events, and presenting to college classes and community organizations. These are the places I feel most comfortable with, my, with sharing my insights and perspectives as I fully f- feel that I'm living my vocation and realizing my why. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. Thank man. you for thank you for asking. It's just Yeah, it's just like when you start rereading it, it's just like that that you know, some of it was a little emotional, so Absolutely, and that was really personal and very touching. Uh, I just I really appreciate it. And I feel that it's it would be helpful for all of us living with multiple sclerosis when we have those moments where we wonder, why are we here? Mm-hmm. Because let's be honest, we've all had those moments since we were diagnosed. And even if you aren't living with multiple sclerosis or another chronic illness, just to take stock of yourself and think seriously about what your vocation is and why you are here You are here for so many reasons, and if you can figure that out, I I think that gives you some sort of clarity, absolutely, sense of purpose, and you carry yourself differently since you've started graduate school for all the reasons that we've discussed today. It's just the knowledge and the focus. I really think that this graduate program has helped you Not that, you know, you needed help, but it's just been really, really beneficial. But again, thank you for sharing your essay. Thanks for asking. Thank you for reading it before I turned it in. I just, I do think, um, you know, and, 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 you know, just carrying through on the the theme and, and focus of this episode, it is don't stop learning. Continue to learn and seek the knowledge and get the education. 
And um, one other thing we'll add in the, the liner notes is one of the books I read for this class, and it was an incredible book solely about vocation. And it's just like, um, it, we'll provide a link to that because, I mean, it's a short read. It's an easy read. It's a fun read. But it really, really digs, you know, makes you dig deep to find what it is you're doing. I mean, and especially, you know, had I read that book, you know, 1995 or sometime pre-MS, you know, my vision, my thinking and thought of my vocation would have been totally different from what when I read it, you know, 20 plus years after my diagnosis. And so I just think, you know, really thank you all for taking the time to, to listen uh, today. And really, um, we just encourage you to continue to learn and, and seek the knowledge to help you and keep your mind sharp and moving. So until next time, we are a couple takes in on, on MS. I'm Dan Digman and I'm walking. I'm Jennifer Digman and I'm rolling. But together, we're moving forward.